For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Thinking Well Podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tom. How was your week, Tom? It was good, man. How was your week? Was it less busy? I heard a, a slight hesitation in your voice, but mine was great. Just, was yours really good? No, it was. It was okay. I mean, it was. It was good. It's good that it's over. It's like you got. It got here. Yes. So we're yeah. we're good. We're good. Well, it's not just me and Tom on the podcast today. We do have a special guest. He is the uh, associate pastor here at Lake Worth Baptist Church. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Coffin. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it's good to be here, finally. Good to have you on. I've been uh, waiting and waiting for an invitation, so I was uh, happy to accept. <laughs> oh, well. We'll have to amend that at some point. Yeah, long-time listener, first-time uh, participator. That's good to have you on. We were um, kind of waiting for something that was going to be opportune. I know that doesn't make it any better, but. Yeah, not an expert in a lot of things, uh, so <laughs> I'm more of a generalist. Wow, that, that went in the wrong direction. <laughs> not how I meant it. I think it's good to have, like, one thing, but, like, be an expert in one thing and then be handy at most things. I think that's the way to be productive. Wow, I just described, like, most of the people that I know. But it's it's true. It is true. Yeah, good goal to strive for, I guess. But as Tom was kind of alluding to, I, I guess one of the biggest reasons why we, we want to have you on, Dan, um, is to talk about outreach, right? It was really one of the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like one of the main fundamental tasks, I guess, that you know you were brought on to help with and fulfill. Um, so when we talk about, I know we kind of dubbed my father as the the resident apologist, um, but in the same vein, we'll say you're the the resident uh, outreachist, the uh, the associate pastor. So this will be more of an outreach themed podcast. So we definitely want to hear about you know what's happening, what you're seeing, and we'll talk about some trends and you know how it differs from outreach from let's say 30, 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. And and you're right in that uh, this was a portion of what I was brought on to do was one of the main factors that uh, I, I'm helping with. Uh, the, I, I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert <laughs> by any means. Um, I, I, I study a lot of uh, methods and I, I follow a lot of uh, church growth uh, podcasts and videos and, and all of that just to kind of figure out what's out there. I don't know that we have a good handle on what works i know we we know a lot of what hasn't worked so far um we're working on a couple of new strategies but uh but yeah happy to t happy to talk about all of that uh so i mean what we usually like to do when we have a guest on if you if you wouldn't mind giving your i mean some of your testimony mm, kind of what's led you up to where you're sitting today and what you're doing today um, and then after that, we can kind of get into just talking about the outreach and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. I, I wasn't ready for the question, so I'll, <laughs> I'll try to give you the cliff notes. Of give your life. testimony on the spot right now. Yeah, Go. exactly. So I, I don't have, um, 
I, I don't have a super interesting testimony in that um, I, I didn't live a lot of life before I trusted Christ. And so uh, a guy got a hold of me when I was six years old. Um, and I remember that very vividly. Uh, was a missionary from, uh, or to rather, missionary from America to uh, Israel. And, and he was giving a, a presentation on the crucifixion. And, and, and up until then, God had certainly been uh, working on my heart. I was very aware of my sin. Uh, I was very aware of of Jesus's sacrifice, but um, he really put that uh, in, into like a, a visual uh, interpretation that really grabbed uh, my heart. And I remember not knowing what was going on, but knowing that I was uh, broken and <laughs> that there 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 had to be some solution. So uh, it was a really uh, great opportunity for my father, who was there, to to be able to to lead me to Christ. And, um, you know, that's something I kind of passed over for a long time until I had a son myself. Uh, and then I realized, wow, what a, what a cool opportunity. And like, I, I really long for that myself. So I was saved at the age of six. So I didn't have a whole lot of uh, a life of depravity to be uh, saved. I, I was a six-year-old, um, a right. knucklehead, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but but the, the change between a bad six-year-old and a good six-year-old was not so dynamic. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I know uh, without a shadow of a doubt that that is when um, I trusted Christ. I, I fully... Um, I'm I'm convinced of that, uh, so uh, so no need to, uh, uh, to, to to even even second guess that it was very uh, real um, there, and so uh, even though the outward evidence of change was not there, uh, there was a big change. Uh, excuse me. Uh, there was a big change inwardly, and so uh, very aware of uh, of that. So uh, not a, not a huge change uh, pre to post salvation. Uh, I, I just kind of went along with the motions for a while. Um, you struggled with assurance of salvation uh, through uh, like the 9-11 tragedy, as I'm sure most uh, sixth graders did at the time. And so um, so that was a, a, a really big time in my life where I, I decided that um, I was going to get real about uh, knowing the Bible. And so uh, at the age of, of 10, 11, uh, I became a, a bigger student of the Bible as much as a 10 and 11 year old could. Um, I remember going uh, kind of through the motions there for a long time. Uh, fast forward to like camp, my, uh, I don't even know what that would be, my sophomore year, maybe 16-ish. Uh, and I remember going to camp and, and God really working on my heart about uh, surrendering to full-time ministry. And I I kind of said, yeah, God, you know, I surrender to whatever you would have me do. Whatever it is, God, I surrender to it. And uh, I remember very clearly, like, that's full-time ministry. Like, yeah, sure. yeah I get it. I, yeah. I, I, whatever you want me to do, God, I got it. Um, and then working through that for a few years, trying to negotiate with God, uh, for a couple years, uh, never works out in your favor. Um, but God really got a hold of my heart two years later, and I surrendered to full-time ministry. Uh, kind of changed the trajectory of my life. I put college on hold for a while to attend seminary. Uh, got my degree uh, in theology, and uh, 
and then promptly continued working in the secular world. It was really kind of a weird uh, juxtaposition. Like, God, I call. I, I know you called me to full time ministry, and I, I, I did what I was supposed to do. I got, I got the degree, you know, the yeah. certification that says you enjoy the Bible. And yet, I, I you know, stayed in, in a secular job for uh, twelve years, and so um, okay. I was happy to work where I was working. I thought it was a great company. It was a good fit for me um, personally. Uh, and I uh, just determined in my heart that if I wasn't going to be in ministry, I was going to work um, as hard as I could and do as good as I could for as long as I could in that job. Yeah. And so that saw me from, you know, warehouse to um, ended up getting into the quality realm of things. And it kind of had a, a niche for for that. Uh, a niche, a niche, niche. I think I think you can say it both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I've, the, I've heard it both ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had I kind of found uh, my my fit there, yeah. and uh, so ended up working as a quality engineer, which is not really an engineer. Um, it has nothing to do with like uh, creating things or driving trains. It is, uh, it's really just solving problems, working with customers. And yeah. so uh, it was really cool uh, because you get to take uh, people that were upset and, uh, you know, like hated your guts and then work as a mediator between them and the manufacturer to get them uh, back on your side and loving you again. And so uh, the parallels to ministry are uncanny. <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> So I really learned uh, an incredible amount uh, there through that until um, up until a couple years ago uh, when the church decided to uh, vote me in as associate pastor. Uh, Very happy to accept the calling. Um, It is a daily challenge. Uh, It's it's so different from what I was accustomed to from the you know the last or the previous twelve years. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of growing into that position. The, the same year that I came on as associate pastor, uh, we had our second child. Uh, and so I changed jobs and lost a lot of sleep all in a very short amount of time. And so I, I had no, I, I feel like I'm finally coming into my own, you know, a year and a half later, I finally yeah. feel like I'm sleeping through the night. I kind of got a handle on what, uh, what's going on. And so like, as you alluded to, one of the major portions of, of my job is to um, is to focus on the outreach. So I handle uh, a wide swath of things, but but one of the major things that I do is, is handle outreach. And so um, that that honestly came as a shock to me uh, whenever <laughs> whenever uh, the proposal was, yeah, we bring you on as associate pastor. Uh, we'd like you to focus on outreach. And I was like. Awesome. Yeah, dude, I can do that. Uh, I know all about that. Uh, no, I didn't lie. Uh, but but it, that was the that was the ministry challenge that God had put me up to. And so um, I'm I'm currently in a journey of figuring out what that looks like, what's effective uh, for a local church today in 2023. And um, it's a good challenge, and and I think we've seen a lot of successes, um, but Agreed. yeah, um, but I, I in no means, by no means, uh, feel like an an expert in the field, and so I did promise an abbreviated uh, testimony, and <laughs> and then you know just a, a few minutes ago, uh, and so uh, yeah, that, that's the that's the long 
uh, version of the short version there. Wow, we didn't even get to the hour mark in that one. That's no, that's, I mean, that's not very uh, on right. par with the. Well, the thanks, other folks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so outreach. I think one of the things that really interests me about outreach is is how it's changed throughout the years, right? I mean, you you go from, man, I mean, how how far back can we go? Uh, the 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 traveling preacher is probably too far back, um, but I would say from the time that I can remember, and I am the oldest person in the room, I guess, um, would be the door to door. Like, hey, it's Thursday night. We're going to go on. We used to call it visitation, right? Right, right. Um, And it wasn't really visitation. It was door knocking is what it was. Um, And you go out into the community and you pick, you know, this many X many blocks is what these two people are going to cover and X many blocks are what these two people are going to cover. And it's it's really like a like it was like a door to door salesman, right? You walk up, you knock on the door. Um, people answer the door in various states of clothing um, and you have to stand there. You might have caught them in the middle of dinner because they might be eating late. Um, hey, we're from so-and-so Baptist Church. Um, could we talk to you a little bit about about Jesus? Do you, do you have a church that you go to? And I mean, there were doors slammed in faces, people just plain cussing us out and uh, there were people that say, oh, I already go to church. And then you ask where, and they're like, well, I kind of go to this place and that place. And it's like, oh, so you don't go to church. But you couldn't say that. I mean, you're trying to get them to come visit your church. And that wasn't always the case. You had times and moments when uh, you got invited into the home, right? And you went in and you sat down and uh, you they they were receptive to it. You were able to open the Bible, and there was I, there was a lot of success with that. In the, I would say probably the '60s into the '70s, even into the probably mid '80s, it was a very successful method of evangelism. And I think the reason for that is people were just more open with their lives in their homes. You look back, and it, everything in that time was kind of very family focused. Uh, everybody was very friendly. It was about community. It was about neighborhood. Uh, I mean, when you look at statistically, right back then, you had probably 70, 75% of Americans going to church anyway. So everyone had heard of at least of God or Jesus. And so when you knocked on doors, people understood what you were there for. The last two people. It was people, more familiar for yeah, sure. The last two people that had been by previously that week were trying to get them to go to this Church of Christ and that Methodist church. Um, but it was very common for a, a lot of churches use that same method. And then I think, and I wasn't in the States in the mid 90s, but I, I do remember being back in the States on like furlough with my with my parents and stuff when we'd go out on visitation. And I already then, probably mid 90s, you could start seeing the shift where people just kind of weren't as welcoming. Uh, you could stand there and like knock on the door and you would see people like peek through the blinds or through the curtains and then they just wouldn't. I mean, you, like you made eye contact with them. You knew that they were in the house and they knew that you were out there, but they just wouldn't open the door. Well, how crazy is it now to think about that kind of, that method of, you know, evangelism, how foreign that sounds? I mean, I don't know, like if someone came to my door, I mean, and I'm, I'm the youngest in the room, but I mean, if someone came to my door, I 
you know, I, like there's safety concerns I'm, I'm thinking about. Like I'm not going to open my door just every anybody. Yeah. Um, it's I think it's a completely different world we live in. Yeah, I th- I think you're right. And and not to not. <laughs> No pun intended. Not to knock door knocking at all. I think it was a very successful method in its time. Yeah. Um, and I, I think there were two major shifts that we're, we're still trying to navigate. And that is uh, there was a shift from being a very congenial society uh, to being, being able to um, allow your neighbors into your house, uh, yeah. to be able to allow a stranger into your house and have that conversation. Um, there was, there's just a, a major shift in, in the way that people see their homes. Uh, most people roll up the garage door, uh, they drive their car in, uh, the garage door rolls down and you never see from them again until the next morning when it goes up and they go back to work. That's my entire street. Yeah, exactly. And so homes are, are very, um, closed off, very sacred. It's like, it's like my safe space and you don't, um, violate people's safe spaces and right or wrong. Um, that is, that is a shift culturally in America. And then I think second, Kyle, you kind of hit on this. The other shift that we're trying to navigate is that we've gone from a very, uh, cultural acceptance of Christianity to a general cultural consensus of atheism. And yeah. so in the 60s and 70s, even though you're kind of flirting with some new ideas that are they're coming on the scene through um, even New Ageism and the sexual revolution, generally uh, people were familiar with or identified as Christian, yeah. whether or not they were practicing, uh, whether or not they were serious, like, you know, oh yeah, my grandma went to the Baptist church, so I, I'm a Christian kind of thing. So there was this cultural idea of, of Christianity and, and that's, that's long gone, um, through the nineties and, and even into the, um, I, I would say it probably even started in the eighties. Uh, there's been that cultural shift to generally, if you ask somebody now, what do you believe? They wouldn't say, I'm a Christian because so-and-so might like going back so many generations as a Christian. They would say, I'm an atheist because I was taught, uh, you know, in school or I was taught online uh, that these are a bunch of fairy tales and shouldn't we believe the science? And so generally, um, I would say, you know, if you were to ask around, I would say from your figure that was kind of thrown out in the air, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but like if, if in the sixties and seventies, the like, statistics are pretty old, but uh, yeah, yeah, 70% I, I, Christian. Uh, I would say now it's probably 80% people that would identify as atheist, which is not in and of itself a bad thing because now, um, now people don't have this false sense of security in this halfway knowing about Jesus. They picked a side. Right. They're all the way out. Right. And so it's easier to identify and to win those people. But now the question is how? Because you can't effectively go door to door anymore because people are so closed off. But I I think one of the things that we should think about is, is why was that so effective or or what was the goal of door knocking? And, And I think generally they were just building relationships. Yeah. Getting to know people. Um, and bringing them into your house was one way to do that. I, I think that one of the challenges we have in outreach in general is our inability to build meaningful relationships. Uh, it, it's not just 
us like it's not just a christian thing it's it's definitely um a generational yeah. thing we, we have a an inability or, or maybe a, a lack of desire to be vulnerable and to bring more people into our lives and the unfortunate thing is is that that's where outreach begins that's where sharing jesus begins is is creating that relational trust to be able to talk about something as important as your eternity yeah and so we're really bad about building relationships and and i think something that we can do as christians is start to build relationships intentionally uh, like I, i'm building a relationship with you because i i want to present Christ to you in a way that you are open to. Yeah. And um, most people could care less what a stranger has to say about them, about their eternal destiny. Um, you know, we all see those street preachers and we go, oh, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, like highly um, ineffective there. But one of the ways that I think that we, we could be more effective is is to, to build relationships with the intention of sharing the gospel with them a lot of times we build relationships based on what we can get out of that relationship and not what yeah. we can give and so i think if we had that shift to understanding that we have to get to know people because we have something that they need to have not necessarily the opposite which is the way most other relationships are built is is you have something i need to have so i'm going to build a relationship so i can either gain that knowledge or access or transactional yeah, yeah. it's very transactional yeah. and so own it um but on our side right yeah right. <laughs> i'm gonna build a relationship because there's a transaction coming right uh and it's do you know jesus if you died today do you know where you'd spend eternity and uh that's a weird conversation to have with a stranger yeah, um, and well, it's probably well, a necessary conversation to have with a stranger. But oh, for sure, um, I've, I've, I do. I do have a story about a weird conversation that you have with a stranger. I was sitting in a restaurant one time with a friend of mine who was who was not saved, and a, a preacher that I knew walked in and walked past our table and said hello to me. Said hello to my brother, who was also sitting there with us, and looked at my friend who he didn't know from Adam, and he's like, "Are, are these guys witnessing to you? Because if not, I will. I won't let you go to hell." And then walked away like no that that like establishing the relationship right like you had zero relationship with that person and now you've just kind of pushed them away with this thought process that i don't know you but obviously you're going to hell mm -hmm. and well it's I, not out of love at all yeah and I don't, I don't see where that kind of thing has has ever worked and even in the in the door knocking age you had some of that scare tactic aggression that was used and I don't I don't think we've ever seen that be successful and I think too with the inviting people in and uh, kind of being around people we saw a big shift in that here a few years back right when when COVID shut everything down um, I know that was from a evangelism perspective like how do you how do you do outreach in something like that uh, which, which I think uh, us uh, as a church, and I, I'm not trying to like talk Lake Worth Baptist up at all, but uh, what I saw here is us shifting to match some of the challenges from a evangelistic and an outreach perspective, knowing that you know our own people couldn't come to the doors of the church, much less trying to get somebody to visit, and there were 
I mean, there were a lot of people that we engaged with when things opened back up that specifically started coming to our church because we were the only people that were offering mm-hmm. um, right. things we, that, yeah, like things online. You can't stop, right? Right. Even when the world shuts down, you you can't stop. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking about through this whole conversation is, I, I think, kind of you know, in the vein of people you know going home, shutting the garage door, and then they're in their castle and they're just defending the castle. I think a lot of what you see, you know, late nineties, early two thousands with, you know, the internet becomes more popular. People are more focused on staying inside, getting connected on that platform. Yeah. And you, I think you start to see a shift away from, you know, kids playing outside with, you know, their, their family, they're enjoying the outdoors. Everyone's kind of has a sense of a community on their street. And nowadays, I mean, everyone's just inside looking at small black screens. Yeah. And I, I think, um, I think you're right. I think that's a cultural shift that we have to figure out how to navigate. And I'm not sure that we're there yet because, you know, I I guess back to what Tom said, he he mentioned that, you know, telling people that they are going to hell, just like this assumption that you're, you're lost has never worked. And I would say it worked on the day of Pentecost. Uh, So, okay. (laughs) So Peter got up and said, Hey, you guys are a bunch of uh, stiff necked and uh, you're, you're not, uh, you're not right, so you're gonna get left. Uh, and three thousand people were were saved. Right. But it was a three minute. Amen, hallelujah. Yeah, a three uh, a three minute conversation. There, there was, were signs there though, right? Like were, all kinds of signs. <laughs> there were signs, and and it was very close to um, yeah to the crucifixion, and so it was on everybody's mind. It was during a, a feast day, and so uh, people were considering uh, the greater implications of spirituality at the time, and so. Um, uh, that that being understood, he was really meeting people where they were, right? It was yeah. it was a feast day, and so they were out and they were uh, about, and so he he met them where they were. Obviously, the Holy Spirit worked in a, in a major way there. Um, there to to your point about signs, um, and uh, very in in a great way confirmed his message, and so yeah. you would almost be a fool to. Uh, ignore it but he met them where they were and they were gathered for a feast and and so I often am trying to figure out well what I'm trying to figure out right now is how, how do you meet people where they are if they're nowhere you know if they're only ever in their homes or on their phones and I, I think there's some great ways to do that online um, but I don't think it stops there I think there's some great lead generation kind of tactics that we can do online. We can um, bring people in with content that is um, that meets them where they are, right? If we're if we're developing content about like uh, stress, right? You do you want to know what the Bible says about stress? You know, and we bring them in and kind of generate a lead there. Uh, but then, with the intention of presenting them the gospel, yeah. and with the intention of getting to know them face to face, and so we're we're kind of making that shift. We're not super great at it right now. Um, mo- modern outreach t- techniques would tell you to you know to put out a Facebook ad, and uh, you know do a plan your visit. Uh, which I think those are both great things. Uh, but, I, but the market has become, forgive my, uh, forgive my terminology. The, the market has become oversaturated with really bad Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, and so people will pay money just to stream, 
uh, or just to get their stream out to, to people. This week alone, I, I, I noted, because I knew we were going to talk about this. This week alone, I noted that I, in my Facebook feed, a uh, sponsored post, someone's paying to get me this information. Uh, there was a live stream from a church in Minnesota. Um, there was an invite to a church in Tennessee. And so I was, I was just like, you guys are, you guys are throwing money, uh, missions money, your, your outreach money at, at people that are never going to go to your church. Right. Not even in, in the demographic or air or community in that you're state, reaching part, out Part for. of the country. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, you, you, sure, when you do that, when you expand your scope uh, that large, you're going to get a lot of, a lot of clicks and a lot of hits and a lot of views uh, with the the need or the desire to go viral you know like that's all that's all we need is a is a reel to go viral and then you know everyone will come to church it's basically the outreach method that people are going for uh but they're not really your target audience like as as a local church we should be looking to reach locally and within a 10 mile radius of our church there are like thirteen thousand some odd mailing addresses and so you're looking at like four and a quarter people per address. And so there, there are over 60,000 people in a 10 mile radius of our church. That's plenty of people to work on. Yeah. And so when we're talking about like targeting an audience, like we're, we're going to target a very small audience and it's okay to not go viral. If you're reaching the people in your neighborhood, and you have an opportunity to follow up with them in the community. One of the cool things that um, another another uh, example of just being where people are is anytime the city has a community event, uh, we try to be there. Yeah. Um, even if it's just passing out water, we, we got some waters with, you know, labels that say Lake Worth Baptist on it. Um, we just pass out water and people go, oh, Lake Worth Baptist. Yeah, I've seen you guys on uh, whatever, or I've heard about you guys or uh, oh yeah, I'm looking for a Baptist church in the area. And it's just, you know, creating awareness that there's a church in the area. Um, it's, it's really, it's really simple, but I, I, again, in, in and of itself, that's not necessarily outreach. Uh, but I think that there is, um, such a need in our area, not just for the unsaved, but for the people that know that they need to be going to church and just aren't. And so to some degree, just creating awareness that you are a church in the area and that you love people and that you want them, like we say, you want them to know Jesus and make him known, um, that that goes a long way into getting people into the door. It's just like, oh, yeah, I, I know that I need to be going to church. I have been looking for a Baptist church, and I don't know how many times you've heard that. We just thought, like, how hard are you looking? I mean, because if you're, if you're Googling, I mean, our SEO is like top notch. You're not going to miss us. Uh, <laughs> but the reality is like they're driving to Walmart. They go, I wonder if there's a Baptist church on my way to Walmart. And there isn't. Um, and so we've got to get better about letting people know that there is a church in the neighborhood that loves them and loves Jesus and wants them to love Jesus more. Okay. Um, and that's in addition to our obligation to all of the 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 lost people in our area too so we should be working to rid ignorance of the fact that uh, there are there is a local church right so 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 if you're thinking that there are no local churches in your area like we don't want you to be ignorant of us anymore but in in a much bigger way we don't want you to be ignorant of the gospel and so how do you how do you develop those relationships and uh trust in order to present 
someone with a truth that big is kind of the the threshold that we're trying to um, to cross at the moment. Well, it's definitely tough, right? I mean, I think one of the most effective ways, you know, just in the realm of building that relationship, because like you just said, right? I mean, it's it's a powerful powerful conversation. It's a heavy conversation, um, but it's one you have to have, right? We have to engage people in this conversation. But and, you know, I, one of the ways I think that we do well, you know, is being active in the community, getting the church in front of people. Because mm-hmm. um, really, I mean, it's the same in the work of salvation itself, right? We, we don't, you know, I mean, some people drag people to church, but, you know, it's not our responsibility to get into somebody's heart and make that change in their life to say, you know what, I'm going to go to Lake Worth Baptist Church or any Baptist church. Um, you know, it, a lot of times I think it, it just takes somebody just being familiar and seeing it enough times that way when they're like, you know what, my life is not going great. And you know what, I probably need to go to church or, hey, Daniel talked to me a few weeks ago at this Christmas light lighting deal, whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, and it's, you know, it sticks in their brain. Right. And when they're ready, that's I think that's when people engage. Um, but it's you're right. It's meeting them where they are. Yeah. And I, I think that's a big uh, I think that's a one of the biggest things is letting people in your sphere of influence know you care and you do that through um, acts of generosity acts of love through um, just being there and talking and I think one of the one of the things that modern outreach is really bad about is creating acts of love that are an end in and of themselves and not a means to an end. And so um, for uh, to kind of expand that example, um, people will do a clothing drive outreach and just love on the community and or they'll throw an event and just love the community or they'll go do something and just love the community. And and I, I think if we're not if we're just going about doing acts of love with no intention of building a relationship and then getting to the gospel, like this intentionality, I think we're really missing the point because it's really easy to just passively love somebody. I mean, it's hard because you're not just loving yourself. Right. But that's a, that's an easier step than loving somebody with the intentionality of, uh, winning them, to Christ. And, and that's a shift that we've kind of made, uh, over the past couple years is, uh, when we do something to draw people in, is, there's no doubt that if you offer free candy, you will get people on yeah. campus. Uh, I mean, we did that for, uh, like our, our harvest festival and you get like five, 600 people in, um, through clever targeting on Facebook, uh, not through people in, <laughs> not through people in Minnesota, but within a 10 mile radius, you're probably looking for moms, you know, females ages 20 to, uh, 55. So you get kind of moms and first time grandmas that are excited about getting there. you get a lot of, of, uh, buzz within your sphere of influence. And so, uh, just let kind of the trade secret out of the bag there. Um, but when you're talking about kids, like you probably want to reach women, uh, you probably want to reach moms and not dads. And so that, yeah. that can, we can get five, 600 people here on a festival day. We've done it. We do it regularly, but how do you 
grow relationships with 600 people all at once. Yeah. Um, how do you get them back for something more spiritually significant than free candy? And that that's that's the bridge that we need to cross. And so I think we're doing better about um, creating um, a relationship, even if it is just like an email relationship that says uh, you trust us because we've provided a safe space for your kids. And now um, here's something that's kid related that's on a Sunday um, that can get can get you back into church. And so um, and, and certainly church in and of itself is not the primary place for evangelism. Sunday morning is not the primary place for evangelism. And I know that's a hot take, um, but church is for the saved. But if we're doing church right, if we're glorifying God right, if we're singing his praise, if we're talking about salvation, if we're if we're praising God for all the great things that he's done, then you can't help but hear the gospel at yeah. church, saved or unsaved. And so uh, I will say, like, if you're if you're looking to get somebody uh, introduced to Christ, by all means, invite them to church. And it is our promise to you that they will hear the gospel either through song or through invitation. We will we will make sure that we give them the gospel if they're here. But the primary way to reach people is not on a Sunday morning service. It's where they are in the week. And it's it's building relationships intentionally with the the end goal of bringing them to Christ or at least presenting the gospel to them. We can't yeah. force them to do anything. But I think we're just far too passive as Christians because that's a hard conversation and it's a very personal conversation so i read recently a statistic that i will also butcher uh just so that you feel well uh feel better about yourself um look up my statistic (laughs) but the statistic was like uh amongst millennials and gen z how many uh people that were regular church attenders believed that it was important to lead other people to christ and it was like 85% of those respondents said, yes, absolutely, it is, um, it's, it is the preeminent thing that we should be doing is leading other people to Christ. So it's 85% of those. And then further on in that same survey, they asked, um, is it right to challenge someone's deeply held belief? And 60% of them said, absolutely not that's something incredibly personal and it was only Hmm. something like five percent who said yeah absolutely we should that's the way the gospel gets out and so you have this um interesting dichotomy now where people know that we need to be reaching out we know that we need to be telling people about jesus but there is a line that they will not cross when telling someone that their sincerely held belief is sincerely wrong um, that was that was kind of anathema to to this group, and and of course this is a broad survey across all stripes, and so uh, you know take it for what it is. Uh, but I think what I read from that is that people are believing that we can just live our lives, and certainly we should live our lives to bring glory to God, uh, but l- just live our lives and bring glory to God, and then eventually someone will say. You are so awesome. How do I know? How do I come to know Jesus? Because you're awesome. And like to that, like we're not perfect. Like there was one that was perfect. And that conversation is not recorded in in the Bible. 
I mean, no one came up to Jesus and was like, hey, Jesus, you're so perfect. How do I, you know, follow you? Yeah. Um, they had, he had to preach. Yeah, he still preached. He, yeah. he still sent out preachers. Well, he, he was still, intentional yeah. on his outreach with either, you know, himself going and traveling or sending out his disciples as well, his apostles as well. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, when we're talking about the community events that we do, you know, whether it's the Harvest Fest or our, you know, Easter egg uh, hunt thing that we do, um, or even our garage sale, right? We, right? we see a lot of people come through our, our doors and garage sale. And maybe it's, you know, while we have them in our facility, maybe, you know, maybe the members of Lakewood Baptist Church need, need to be better, myself included, for sure, need to be included at engaging those people. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's really changed my heart, um, maybe I should say one of the things that really breaks my heart for the lost is, uh, granted, like talking to people about Jesus is, um, it's a hard thing. It's not something that comes naturally to me. I'm naturally kind of an introvert. I'd prefer just not talking to anybody. Um, but that's not what Jesus has called me to do. Um, in fact, he's called me to be a pastor and uh, a preacher. (laughs) And so, uh, I have to figure out how to live with that. But the reality is God has called all of us, uh, to be preachers, right? He may not call us to leadership in a church to be a pastor, but he's called us all to be preachers. We're all to give the gospel. And one of the things that I, I, I think challenges my passivity is, and, and one of the ways that I think we need to be better is seeing people for who they truly are and who people truly are is not just flesh and blood. It's not just an inconvenient person in front of you in line at Walmart or an inconvenient conversation or just traffic on the road. That's not the real people. Uh, the real people are, are more than flesh and blood. They're, they're soul and spirit. And one day, everybody is going to die. That flesh and blood part of us is, is going to go away. And all that will remain is our soul and spirit. And our souls will live on forever in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And I think that's a sobering reality in that everyone that you see, everyone that you look in the eyes will spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And I I think we just gloss over that because it's such an inconvenient thing to think about. It's such an emotional thing to think about. But if we were to see everyone that we meet as as a person with a real eternity uh, and there were only two two options for their eternity, like how would that change the way that we're building relationships. Mm. I mean, we would we would want to build relationships. We, we would want to be better at building relationships, introvert or not. Um, and then we would want to be intentional about bringing up the gospel eventually in a way that that leads them to the Lord and not in a way that repels them. But um, but I, I think our our passivity is is really the the biggest issue. And I think the way that we get over that is is by understanding that people are people are more than just flesh and blood and that soul and spirit is it's going somewhere do you, th- do you think you know god's people um, in a general sense are kind of scared of that confrontation because because like when we when we introduce the gospel into someone's life and it is effective and the holy spirit works and they are a changed person 
they are confronted with truth and their heart is it's a 180 right there, there is confrontation there um now it's not probably in the sense of a lot of people think of confrontation we're not fighting them we're not wrestling them to the ground and say believe in jesus it's in their heart you know christ meets them where they are and they have to make a decision but it's more more than likely pretty con- uh, contrary to where they had been do you think as god's people we're kind of scared to engage in that kind of confrontation being that hey i'm going to talk to you knowing that you're probably lost and that you need that confrontation from the holy spirit but we're, we kind of take it on ourselves yeah it's and it's not personal um if they reject the gospel that's not personal right you know that's that's between them and the lord but it feels deeply personal. Yeah. And so I think that uh, there are a couple of barriers there. No, I, I think you're right in that the confrontation is just kind of weird. Um, and you've been so vulnerable to create and sustain this relationship. Like, like, do I really want to ruin it? Like, what if they say no? Right. Well, the reality is, like, if you present them the gospel and they say no, it's not a failure. I mean, God's word won't, won't return void. Right. Like at, at the very least you've planted a seed. Um, at the very most they accept and now they're your brother in Christ forever. So how much sweeter relationship I have much better relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ than I do with just my general friends. Um, and even quite honestly than with some of my family. And so like what you have to gain from that is, is far greater. And I, and there's no losing, position um even if like i said even if they say no you you planted a seed and you you, they know where you stand right worst Um, case scenario you're where you started yeah i mean you're not going like (laughs) you're not they're they're not hurting you right right and so there is that weird kind of vulnerable sense I, i think some people are um concerned about like what if they doubt um you know what 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 if they ask me a question that i can't answer uh, what if that feeds my doubts, <laughs> you know, and so some people are kind of uh, concerned about that. And, and so, like, I, I, I understand that. I get that. Uh, my answer to that is to, and as, as simple as it sounds, is to learn to love Jesus more, learn to love the gospel more, um, because people talk about what they love. If you were to talk to Tom for too long, you would end up talking about some nerdy things. Facts. You'd talk about Star Wars or Star Trek or action figures, right? Um, because that's what Tom loves. Now, Tom also loves Jesus, and I appreciate it. And that's, that's part of why I love Tom. <laughs> uh, or if you were to talk to Kyle, eventually the conversation is going to turn to strategy. Uh, because Kyle is a very strategic thinker. He's a sales guy. And so he's always considering, how do you close the deal? And so no matter what you talk about, Kyle will then present you with some conundrum. What's the strategy here? You know, like, so like how many, how many fourth graders can you fend off? Well, here's a strategy, right? And that's, that's, there's two veins of thought. (laughs) And that's the way that Kyle thinks because (laughs) Kyle, Kyle loves strategy, but uh, you talk to somebody who loves cars, eventually the conversation is going to go to cars or you talk to somebody who loves video games. Eventually you're going to end up talking about whatever video game they're playing. What if that was true of people who love Jesus? And that no matter what you were talking about, eventually somehow the conversation got to Jesus. And I know that's super simplistic. And I think that's also a little bit un- un- like a third thing of what scares people is that the answer is so simplistic. 
the gospel is not complicated. It's, it's not hard to explain. It's hard to accept. It's hard to understand why, why would someone do that yeah. or how am I that bad? Right. You know, no, I agree with that. Um, but it's, uh, to, back to your verse, it's the power of God unto salvation, even though it's so simplistic that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, as the proof of payment that God accepted his sacrifice worthy to uh, forgive your sins and that he offers that forgiveness freely is a really simple concept. But it is a powerful concept. It's the power of God unto salvation. That Greek word there is dunamos. It's the dynamic movement, the same word dynamite. It's it's the explosive power of God unto salvation. So like, it's like God, God gives us this really simple thing to just talk to people about that can just turn their lives upside down in a moment and turn them, uh, put them on the right track in a moment. Uh, through just that that acceptance of a free gift, it's a it's a mind-boggling thing. But I don't have to worry about that because God has underwritten that uh, with His power, and uh, the the same is true um, in the Great Commission. Though though He says all power is given to me, that word power is different. Um, that's exousio, um, which is all authority. And so uh, Jesus says, hey, I've got this plan for you to reach people with my gospel and then to baptize them and get the members of a church and then to grow them as disciples. And I'm underwriting this not just with my dynamic power, but with my authority that was given to me. And now I give it to the church. I, I underwrite this very simple process with not only the power of God, but the authority of God which is great. And then, and then you pair that with the verse that you read at the beginning, Romans uh, 1 16, um, that, um, right. It's the power of God. And then you think about Matthew, uh, 18, Matthew 16, forgive me. Uh, it's one of those where, um, Christ is starting his church. Uh, he says upon this rock, will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, which is interesting. Um, because we often think about spiritual warfare as being on the defensive. And so we've got to have our shield to quench the fiery darts of the devil. And uh, the reality is that the church is an offensive organization and like not, not an offensive organization. The, the gospel is offensive enough on its own, but we're, we're an offensive organization that the gates of hell, the defensive mechanisms of the principalities of of evil, the defensive mechanisms that would keep people chained in their addictions and, and slaves to themselves are, are, are no defense against the power of the gospel. And I think once we get a grasp on that, like how simple things are, but how powerful it is, and the reality is that everyone that we're talking to will spend eternity in either heaven or hell, then I, I think we get a little more compassionate, a little more driven to build relationships intentionally um, rather than just kind of passively floating through life, hoping that someone realizes how cool I am, how calm, collected I am, and then they ask me, what's different about you? That could happen, and certainly it does. Like, hey, why are you so peaceful in this situation? 
And you can talk about that you have the peace of God that passes all understanding. It doesn't make sense, um, but this is a gift of God. Um, and certainly that conversation can happen, um, but it's pretty rare. People are people are so wrapped up in themselves most of the time that they wouldn't even notice that about you if it were to happen, right? And excuse me, I think one of the things one of the things I really there were a lot there was a lot there that I liked that you said, but one of the things I really liked that you said is like being being intentional about engaging people on that and on that level because. I think even for me personally, I do forget sometimes that that person in front of me in Walmart, do, you know, I don't think to myself, did, I wonder if they know Christ. Now, the, the things that I think to myself, right, are the typical things that, well, maybe not everybody thinks, but how, how, how long are they going to stand here? How, are they going to move to the open cash register that's been there for five seconds and they just have been standing here on their phone while I wait for them? Why is this, why is this person wearing a uh, tank top that's three sizes too small? Right. And, I mean, the, there, there's those Dukes. typical things that everybody <laughs> thinks, right? But how would my attitude towards people change if I thought of them as an eternal being? Right. And then if, if we can think about people in that way and then our attitudes towards people start to change maybe then that would work in some cases but if we're constantly looking at everyone like an inconvenience and when we do have these chances to engage with people that we've built a relationship with they look at our attitude and how we deal with everyone else um, and they don't you don't get to that question you don't get to you know what, I, I, I have noticed that you kind of look at people differently and handle people differently, and what is that? And we've, I won't say we, I'll, I'll, I'll say myself. Sometimes I have this tendency to be very cynical about people because it's like, oh, I mean, I, I could talk to them about Jesus, but they'd make a horrible Christian. You know, and I, I, that's just being being honest. It, is there such thing as a horrible Christian? Like, if if they were to get saved, would they be a horrible Christian? Yeah. And there's this comparative thing where we as Christians even have this mindset sometimes that the unsaved have, which I've heard multiple times from unsaved people. Well, I I can't go to church. I got so many things in my life I need to straighten out before I can go to church. That we think kind of in those lines too like oh they look nothing like what a christian would look like so they couldn't possibly be receptive to the gospel right you kind of write them off as too hard of a prospect yeah. like there's just too much going on in their lives but in reality like they're the greatest prospect yeah. because how much glory would god get from turning this wretched life you know upside mm -hmm. down and, and to him and I, and I think about um sam's testimony from a couple weeks ago like Wow, what what a troubled life, you know, and, and God works some really great things out in your life. And now you're one of like the the kindest, most most faithful members that we have. Like, yeah. Who would have thought I would have written you off, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and now he's like a, like a, a very beloved brother in Christ. And so what an what an amazing testimony. And, and it's like we write these people off because they're hard cases uh, when in reality, like they're they're perfect prospects. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think we're, you know, we're so worried about like, what are the, you know, the minor arguments for this and that and this and that when uh, like, yes, apologetics are great. And I, I love the conversations that you're having with Ryan, but, but the reality is the gospel's simple and it cuts through that. And a lot of that stuff can be, uh, you know, 
it, it can it figured can be, out on the it back can be end. Sorted out on the back end, but right. we're so worried about getting everybody lined up and making them a perfect Christian before they get saved uh, that we never actually get to closing the deal. And and I think apologetics is great because you know it can tell you you know who who you are as a person. Uh, what you're here for, where you're going. Uh, but the reality is like when you get to that, where you're going, like at some point you, you have to bring that up. You have to say, Hey, look, do you know what, like, yes, sure. You're created uh, in the image of God intentionally. You're a, you're a, a valuable and worthy life. And you're an important piece in God's overall scheme of eternity. And, and you're here to glorify God. Yeah. But uh, you also have a free will. And so you can do whatever you want, but God has a better way. And then you get to that, where are you going? Well, the reality is that if you answer that question wrong, if you don't know where you're going, right? If you, if you miss that question, this side of eternity, well, the implications are not only terrible, they're forever. Yeah. And so we, we have to get to that part in the conversation that says there is a God, you're accountable to him, you've messed up, but he's provided a solution and we must respond. Um, and I, I got a little ahead of myself there. I, 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 as I was talking, I was reminded of, uh, when we were talking about bad prospects, right. And just like about how complicated people are. And, uh, when I was working in my secular job, there was a, a, a gentleman who was retiring and he was retiring. He was going to become an author. And I, I know this guy happens to be a Christian. He goes to, um, like one of the mega churches kind of middle of the Metroplex mega churches where they seem to all be um and he was gonna write a novel and i was like oh that's great gary what are you gonna write about uh, and he was gonna write a romance novel and i Ooh. thought that seems like a terrible thing for a christian to write and so i said why don't why don't you write a story about your testimony why don't you write a story about something that god's working on in your life like you know, use your use your powers for good and not evil. <laughs> what if the romance novel is his testimony? <laughs> <laughs> well, funny, funny you should say that because he said, like he he said, like you know, people people that knew me when I was in the you know in, in the service, people that knew the old me, they wouldn't believe it. You know, they'd say, "Oh yeah, right, you don't got Jesus. I know the old you." Uh, and so the reality is, it probably was part of his uh, his funny. testimony pre Christ. <laughs> but I, and I just kind of challenged him. I said, Gary. What a wonderful, what a wonderful testimony to say, yeah, that was me and I was wrong and here's who I am now. And here's how Jesus changed me. Um, but he's just concerned about giving the gospel because his story was too complicated. And I thought, well, your story is glorious. You know, God gets so much glory from that. Just being able to, uh, to, to help you break all of those chains and all of those addictions and bring you into something that is more the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Um, no need to be ashamed about that. Um, and so I challenged him on it. I, I don't think it went anywhere. I should follow up and see if he's written a novel. <laughs> um, I think the best thing, one of the best things about sharing the gospel and whether it's, you know, as a church and community events or, or just, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, in our daily lives is you know, what you're sharing is what God has done in your life. But, you know, the, the weight of salvation isn't on you, you know, it, it, we're messengers and thank God it's not on me because I would do a terrible job. I don't, I, I can't save anybody. All I can do is 
show people what God has done in my life. And I think, you know, talking about, the, you know, living as like as an example, um, you know, argument there is I think that's effective. But once you've once you've established that deep relationship, I think that's where you see that be way more effective because you've people know they've been around you long enough to see the difference or when they have a hardship or something comes up and they don't they don't have anywhere else to turn but they know hey they know daniel they know he goes to church and they know that he appears to have his life you know more maybe more put together or has some answers or has some clarity he's he's at peace with x y and z in his life he doesn't have this issue um who do you think they're going to go to and that i think that's where you see you know keeping to your testimony living by example that that is where they'll probably engage you but i think that's secondary yeah for sure and i think better yet that answer is is yeah he's got his life together his his walk matches his words right but i also know that he's talked to me about jesus before yeah you know and so you're you're in that crunch and you say man i I think that's what I need. I, I need to go back and we need to talk about this greater. Um, and I think that's like the parable of the, of the sower, <clears throat> excuse me, the parable of the sower. And um, to, to your point about like not knowing how people react, the, the parable of the sower is that, that the, the farmer, the planter is, is casting seed and some of the seed is falling on fertile ground. Some of it's falling on infertile ground. Uh, some of it's falling on hard ground and getting taken away by crows. Uh, but the I, I think the reality is, like, if the farmer were just rocking around with the seeds still in his pockets, um, even the good ground is not getting the seed. Yeah. And that's not... The hearts of men are not our obligation. Yeah. The results of the gospel is not our obligation. Our only obligation is to tell everyone about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the results are up to him. Yeah. And I, I think, well, I don't think, I, I know that there's there's so many people that I talk to, uh, even Christ, I mean, Christians specifically, that, that have the gospel to share, and we seem like we're always looking for the good ground. Mm-hmm. Like we'll hold the seeds in our pocket until we come to some good ground, and then man, we're 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 ripping the bag open trying to get the seeds out so we can throw it on the good ground. But we missed yeah. all the ground that we came through. That was you know maybe it wasn't perfect soil. It was it had some rocks in it. But if we would have just you know thrown the seed out, maybe some of it would have taken, and maybe there was some good soil underneath that, and we just didn't see it. But if we would have just brushed the rocks out of the way, there was the good soil. Right. But we walked past it because on the surface it was rocks. And it goes back to that that judging people based on how they are today. And we look for the good soil over and over again because in our minds, the good soil is what's going to have fruit. It's what we're going to see more immediately. There's not, there's not a whole lot of work that needs to be done if you throw down seed in the good soil. But there's these, there's these you know, three or four other soil types that we walked by that we could have thrown seed down. And in the middle of that area, there could have been some good soil that one seed would have taken. But we're just not throwing the seed out because on the surface it doesn't look like good soil. Well, yeah. it's not not our job to pick 
Right. Right. Yeah. That's but, we, we, but we do. Right. And I think just humanity is that's the selfishness, the pride that we have. You know, it reminds me of uh, kind of a similar parable, right? In Luke 19, you know, the, the 10 minas where he tells them, hey, you know, I'm going to give you this currency, 10 whatever, right? And, you know, some go out and they they make, they multiply what they have, right? And, you know, there's certain, you know, multiple that they are able to duplicate and it's more and they were good stewards of it, but one buries it. Mm-hmm. And he says, "It's I'm, I'm going to play it safe. Yeah. And he doesn't do anything with it and he's rebuked. Yeah. Well, and then he blames God. And then he blames God. And he says, hey, I know that you're a shrewd man and that you're, you reap where you haven't sown. And, and I was just scared of what was going to happen with you. And, uh, and the reality is like, uh, when we're going back to the gospel, like it, it's not our job not. to do anything but give mm-hmm. it. And, and so like, while we talk about outreach strategies and we, we talk about like, what are the more and, and better effective ways to do it? Like I keep coming back to the fact that if we just talk to people about Jesus yeah. and let God do that hard work, then maybe we would be more effective. Like maybe that's a good outreach strategy is just to tell people about Jesus and then get uh, out of the way. And then get out of the way. You know, right. God doesn't yeah. call us to be uh, soil experts. Right. You know, and, and, and I, I think sometimes we're just hedging our bets. Like, you know, I just, I don't want to put a lot of emotional energy into uh, things that aren't going to r- reap benefits. Well, like, who, how do you know? Right. And God's word has promised that it will always reap benefits. It won't yeah. return void. But we're so scared about hedging our bets. And and someday we're going to have to stand before the master. And he's going to say, what did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with your talents that I gave you? What did you do with your words? How many relationships did you build for my glory? And we're going to have to say, well, God, I was just kind of scared. I didn't know what those people were going to say. I didn't see any good soil. I know. I don't don't know. I didn't know what to do. Why didn't you provide me with good soil? Why didn't you give me bigger talents? Why didn't you give me a bigger sphere of influence? When the reality is like, like God has called us to, to risk our own vulnerability for the eternity of others. Or hey God, you know, I, I, I was scared. So I just took the truth that the gift that you gave me and I buried it because I know, you know, what could happen. And I'm scared. Yeah. And I just tried to be the best me that I could be, you know, and, and, you know, religion, super personal. And so I just worked on me like, Oh, okay. Yeah. But religion isn't personal. Uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not, uh, is not for you and you only. Yeah. Right. Um, it's deeply personal in that you were saved through the power of the gospel. Uh, but it's for everyone. Exactly. Well, I guess one of the questions that I have just kind of in the, in, in the vein of outreach, I mean, we talked about different strategies. We talked about, you know, past and, and kind of what's happening now, but where do you see it going in the future, right? I mean, you know, technology is a huge aspect of how we interact just in general as a people. But I mean, how, what do you see being effective as far as outreach, you know, in the next 10, 20, 30 years? So I haven't thought 20, 30 years out. Um, Even five, <laughs> five or 10 years. It's just technology changes so fast that you never know like where people will be. I'm not that forward thinking. Um, I, do, I do think that we need to get better about meeting people where they are, which probably means we need to be better about generating leads digitally and then intentionally taking those leads and developing them into relationships. 
Um, I don't know exactly what that looks like. I have some thoughts on it, but we've not we we've not really tested the ground. Uh, there, <laughs> that, was, that was probably a bad metaphor. Uh, we've not really tested the waters there to see uh, what uh, what will gain results, gain traction or not. Um, but I, I think it really is meeting people where they are digitally um, because everybody is just buried in their devices. And, and people are androids, whether they believe it or not, because they have their brain in their pocket. Like It's just like an extension of their brain at the end of their fingertips. And so we have to meet people there. And I think it's really short-sighted to say that um, you're not going to engage in that field or in that sphere. Um, It's kind of like going to the mission field in, I don't know, India, and then getting mad because people don't speak English. You're like, why are they not getting this? I, I'm talking to them in in English, and they just don't understand. Uh, the reality is, like, we've got to figure out how to communicate in a way that reaches people, and okay. and I and I think that we can generate leads that way. I, I don't think that's a per. I don't think that's a. Um, I don't think that's a substitute for building your own relationships. I think it is the substitute or the transition from mass evangelism being paper tract based mm-hmm. to mass evangelism being digital, um, which is going to be less effective than, you know, building your own relationships and intentionally one-on-one meeting people. Well, but, it's a step towards that. Yeah. But it's a step towards building relationships. Right. Um, and again, it's not an end in and of itself, but it is, it is to the end that we get to know people um, that we get to meet them where they are and that we get to, to establish a relationship with the intention of building that relationship to a point where I can give them uh, the gospel. And so I, I think meeting them digitally is, is where that is. I, I think in evangelism, you, you have to worry about how you communicate. You want to communicate in a way that people are going to understand. Um, you have to build relationships and then you have to you have to bring it home. You actually have to do it. Uh, I've read a lot of research lately that that has um, cautioned people about crossing the sac- what they called the sacred bridge too soon. And so you know they're they're like yeah you need to bring people into church you need to get them serving so that they have a reason to come back and I'm like. You have non-members serving. That seems kind of weird, but whatever. And then, uh, like, one of the cautions is, like, you, you don't want to start talking about spiritual things too soon. And I, I can't get, I can't get on that. And you're so worried about, like, building a brand and being cool and getting a, um, an unchurched crowd in church. But I'll just go back to my statement that church is not for the unchurched. Yeah, right. Um, they're welcome. Uh, and they will hear the gospel when they're here, but it's not our primary means of evangelism. Yep. It shouldn't be. And so, you know, so because they're worried about crossing that sacred bridge too soon, everything gets watered down seeker sensitive, which is kind of the, the old phrase to use. Um, things get, gets watered down. We don't talk about big, important topics too soon. We don't talk about salvation, uh, too soon. And, and I just, uh, I don't know for the life of me, I, I, I just, my heart kind of broke whenever I read that, mm. um, because you're just trying to be cool, you know, and like church, 
I don't know. I, I'm going to make a t-shirt. Make church uncool again. <laughs> uh, make it serious. Um, yeah. I, I'm a, and I'm a pretty goofy guy. Like, I don't take a lot of things seriously. I make jokes about a lot of things and people. And, and I think that's fine. You, you should you should have some levity in life. Um, but there are some things that we should take serious. And I, I think that's God, the word of God and the souls of men, the three eternal things that we should take very seriously. Yeah. And so I, I, I just get kind of frustrated that we just play games with people's lives under the guise of outreach, uh, but with pretense of popularity or building a brand. Well, we certainly can't compromise the message of the gospel just for numbers, right? Absolutely. And unfortunately, and it breaks my heart too, I hate to see it, um, but a lot of these, you know, quote unquote, mega churches do exactly that. You know, they have, not all of them, but some of them have definitely compromised on what they'll teach, aspects of the gospel or aspects of what you find in your in your Bible, because um, they know it would it would drive people away. Yeah, have you and, seen And you can't all, compromise. Have you seen all of the, uh, the reels and TikToks about um, church at the movies? Over the, over the summer, there was a big push, like everyone was doing... Uh, a movies at church or church goes to the movies or something weird like that. And uh, they were doing gospel presentations where uh, they were substituting Disney characters for um, Christ. Okay. And yeah, so there's like one where like a female Woody gets crucified and comes back and, and it's all like under the guise of just straight bless me. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> like just getting people to church. And so like, like wow. outreach, like, like I think we have to be okay with the fact that what you say might be unpopular, yeah. Uh, and, and what you say, people might say you're kind of a weirdo for believing that. And we've got to get to the point where we're we're okay with that. Like if people think you're a weirdo because you love Jesus and you love them enough to tell them about Jesus, well, like praise the Lord. And that's really not your offense either, right? They're they're not mad at you. Um, they're upset at the confrontation of the gospel in their lives. And further, like and Jesus says that 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 is a blessed position uh, when when people revile you and to be expected. Yeah, like ha- happy happy is the person who's been reviled uh, because that's what they did to you know, the prophets and your forefathers in the faith. and uh, and so, like, yes, while we need to 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 build relationships, I, I don't think we we need to sacrifice the unpopularity of the gospel um, for followers because in, in the end we're not making disciples of Christ when you're doing that you're making disciples of of your way not yeah. of the way I I'll, I'll be honest I'm, I'm coming away from this conversation with not what I thought I was going to be coming away from this conversation with because I thought I was going to be coming away with this, from this conversation with like better ways to do outreach and really what I'm coming away from this conversation with is our general strategy should be to share Jesus like you you don't need a big plan you don't need a different method the 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 biggest problem I think we've identified in this entire conversation is is that we've been so reliant on methods that we've lost the method and it's just as individuals share Jesus Christ with the people you know make it your primary focus and we'll see something happen you don't need a big 10-year outreach plan 
have each one of the members of your local church make it a point to share Jesus with the people that they know that don't know him. Absolutely. And my strategy this year is to develop ways to equip the saints to do that. That's great. Um, to to help you get confidence in how to share Christ in those relationships, to, mm-hmm. to give you maybe materials to help you. Uh, share Christ in those relationships. And so that's really that's really my goal as the outreach, pa- outreach pastor is to not do all the work myself, but to help you reach your friends that I don't I don't know. Make better disciples so they can go out and make better disciples. I, I read it somewhere before. <laughs> that's crazy. You know? Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> but it's so it's so simple. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's powerful and it's worked for 2000 years. Yeah. And I I think like the the hubris to think uh, we can do it better. We're going to figure out a new way. Well, and the reality is it's not working because we're not doing it. Yeah, that's good. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think my my biggest three takeaways are, you know, embrace the simplicity of the gospel. Yeah, man. Two, get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Put away away the selfish pride, get out of the way. Um, And three, you know, just talking about, you know, an an online presence in, in in a completely digital world nowadays um you know there's definitely terrible evils within the internet and social media but at the same time 99 percent of the population are on their phones on their computers it could be it could just be the best way to initiate conversations but like you said they, they must be followed up yeah and I, I think this podcast to your point this podcast is a great example of that and that there are like 9 million podcasts in the internet sphere, whatever, whatever that environment is called, <laughs> the, the interweb, uh, there are like 9 million available podcasts. And so you're like, and, and they talk about everything. All manners of evil are talked about on podcasts. And so why not use the technology for good? Right. And like, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what the impact is, but what's the harm in getting together and talking about Jesus for an hour? Right. If it, if somebody can listen in on this and, and, and be helped from that in their spiritual life or, or even come to the point where they say, Hey, you know, I kind of interested in this Jesus. Um, well, like praise the Lord. Yeah. And that's right. the whole, whole point. Right. I mean, it's, it's been a, a great eye opener, a, a refreshing moment to hear, you know, members, even like new, newly joined members of our church say, Hey, we've, we have found your church or we have, you know, picked you, you guys out specifically because we started listening to your guys' podcasts or, you know, the congregation as a whole really getting involved and in, in, and asking questions and, you know, whatever it may be, just the response. Um, it's just been a great privilege to be able to sit here and, you know, we're, we're not going to compromise. Right. Right. You know, I agree. There's millions of podcasts out there of all shapes and sizes, all different material. We, we vow to be the one that doesn't compromise. Yeah, it's a, it's a new ground. Um, throw some seed, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I'm I'm happy to to play a small role in that. I'm 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 really uh, happy about where you guys are going with this. Not to not to just uh, have a little bit of a um, compliment session, but uh, but these podcasts really started uh, out of like a a confluence of of both of our visions. You guys have been talking about it for a while. Um, I had secretly been ruminating on it for a while, and on vision night, I said, hey. I think to bridge the gap between Sunday and Sunday, Sunday and Wednesday, uh, we need to put some good Bible content out there. And one of the ways I think we could do that is podcast. 
and you guys stepped up and were like, hey, by the way, we've been talking about doing a podcast. Well, definitely a God thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we were kind of talking about it. I, I had the idea of just doing something. I, I didn't materialize at all. Um, and I was like, I, there has to be just a better forum to get together and just talk about, you know, current events, problems, misconceptions, whatever it be, through a biblical lens. Um, so that was kind of going through my mind. And, uh, you know, at Spirit Night, you mentioned that. And I was like, okay, well, there's the, the church proper sees a gap that needs to be filled here. I'm already thinking about it. And that's when I reached out to Tom and we just started getting, you know, things going. And it's, it was easy. I mean, and, th- and that's how, you know, God was in it. I mean, it was just, he laid the road out and we just walked it. I mean, what's it been, 20 weeks now? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Sure has. Pretty close, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Almost, that's, almost half a year. That's crazy. It's great. I, wow. Okay. Yeah. So thank you guys for, for picking up the slack there and, and running no, with it. No, it's, it's great. We appreciate the liberty to be able to do it. It's been good. Absolutely. And we appreciate you coming on. Yeah. It was a great Thanks discussion. Yeah. Happy to do it. Um, uh, I'll talk about anything, anytime. Uh, like I said, not an expert in anything, but I've got opinions on almost everything. So <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. that sounds just like us. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely have you on soon. Um, we'll bring you back on to uh, maybe, maybe once we get closer to maybe the Harvest Fest or, or something, yeah. maybe we'll talk about that. I think that'd be a good a reason. Or maybe we'll find something else and we'll just have you on and we'll, we'll talk about uh, whatever it is, but no, we do appreciate you taking the time out of yeah, your week to prepare. And, and I know, I know you got small kids and family, you know, taking time away from them, but we appreciate it. Um, but you know, um, if you listen to this and, um, you know, we hope that you were able to maybe think about maybe better ways to, um, share the gospel and, and hopefully, uh, emboldened you to have the confidence just to let go and, and let the Holy spirit work in people's lives. But, uh, we appreciate everybody for listening. Yeah, if you've got any comments or you'd like to drop us a line, you can get a hold of us at podcast at lakeworthbaptist.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, LWBC underscore publications. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Leave us a comment on the podcast even. Uh, Make sure you follow us, and we will talk to you next time. Absolutely. Definitely took a plunge in the thinking well this evening. We'll be back next week for another episode. Thanks, everybody.